0: From the MGMA in-home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams.
1: So it's all about the education of putting together a comprehensive benefit package, understanding it and being able to communicate it or having someone who can communicate it for you when you're in the recruiting phase.
0: That's Mark Massey talking about the benefits of retirement planning in recruiting and retaining staff in a medical practice. We'll hear more from Mark in just a moment, but first, a word from our sponsor. Our partners at the Southern Medical Association are proud to present two new podcasts, The Practice of Medicine and Business of Medicine. On the Practice of Medicine, leaders in healthcare discuss contemporary approaches to patient care in a rapidly changing world, while the Business of Medicine podcast explores the many complex decisions that go into running a successful practice. Subscribe to both on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Or you can find them on SMA's website, at SMA.orgslash podcast. Our guest today is Mark Massey, Vice President, Southern Medical Association. Mark's here today to talk about the challenges practice administrators face around physician recruiting and retention. Mark, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Well, thanks for having me, Daniel.
0: Mm-hmm. So, tell us about SMA and what your role is there. Sure. So, the Southern Medical Association has been
1: around for 106 years. There's two sides of it. There's the 501c3 side, which is the education side, and that's the side that started 106 years ago. And its function is the education of people in the healthcare industry. And it's primarily our memberships primarily made up of physicians, but we also have nurses, uh, medical students, residents, some academia, um, uh, practice managers, etc. And so on that side of the house, they get their CE credits. We have a monthly publication called the Southern Medical Journal. It's been around for ages that people love. And we um, have a very, very deep bench of podcasts, and educational materials related to um, you know healthcare. We also do a lot of work with universities and medical students so they can write their papers and we help fund programs through universities for educational purposes. So it's strictly an educational association. The SMA services side, which is the side that I run, is where we have the Uh, all the products and services that we make available for our members so they can be able to have a one-stop shop, so to speak, to handle their business needs because, you know, they primarily like to keep their focus, as they should, on healing. So what I do is go around and broker uh, arrangements with partners in order to get discounts for our members on the different products and services that we offer.
0: You guys did a survey recently. What's one thing that stood out there? What are what are people that are in your association? Uh, what are they asking right now? What is top of mind for them?
1: As far as the needs of the uh, the the employees of a healthcare practice and done a lot of a lot of different surveys to this to try to get an order of importance and try to dig deeper into retirement planning because that mean it can mean a lot of things so i'm always trying to dissect the areas of retirement planning that we can partner with cuz we i don't have a direct sales force i'm not going to attempt to be you know a jack of all trades and master of nothing
0: mm-hmm. so we
1: partner with other organizations to help fill the needs in in this case, retirement planning. The health plan always comes out second. That seems to be more cost driven. That's why I'm trying to put together a program specifically to meet the needs of the um, healthcare community. And then it gets into your other staples, but um, but that gives you an idea of what we're looking at in these surveys. Is trying to see which products and services that we can provide to help fill their day-to-day needs.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, you're going to be speaking at an upcoming MGMA webinar. Your topic is on how to increase physician recruitment and retention. Give our listeners an idea of what they can learn from that event.
1: So, recruiting and retaining providers requires a process. The main part is a comprehensive um, compensation package that goes beyond the base salary. And we're going to outline in that how to build uh, such a package such as retirement plan provisions that address the specific needs of uh, physicians and layering deferred compensation arrangements on top of it to help lock up quali- uh, quality physicians because, you know, it's, it's tough out there. You've got everybody competing for these group of, of physicians. And what we see often is just these basic staples that you know check the box, we've got this, 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 and this, and that's a good start. <clears throat> what we wanna talk about though, or show or educate them on is how to take those staples and 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 fine tune them to where they become more attractive to get the quality individuals that they want, and by you know layering either on your retirement plan by structuring it such to where you can allow them to have a bigger benefit, and then also on the deferred compensation side to get a golden handcuffs type arrangement to tie them up for longer term commitments to the organization, the practice.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. Where do you believe are the biggest gaps then, the biggest gaps or challenges for practices regarding recruitment and retention?
1: Well, the concept is it's just about the money. And of course, you do have to have a competitive based salary, but there are other parts of compensation that can make the difference at the margins. That's where we get into the supplemental benefits. You know, you again, it's one thing to just have, oh, we got a health plan, retirement plan, and some group, et cetera. But there's more to it, like having CE, taking care of their CE requirements for them, um, utilizing the profit-sharing arrangements within the plan because it does make sense uh, mathematically and tax-wise to you know, for, uh, share those benefits with the organization as opposed to paying Uncle Sam on them. And I could show them you know, through illustrations where you'd know, you rather pay X in taxes or take that percentage or a lesser percentage most of the time and put it into the qualified plan in order to get the deduction that offsets the cost for having the additional benefits that you can provide. So I think the gap or challenge of recruiting is intention is the, is putting together and then understanding and be able to communicate what you put together to the recruits that you're trying to get in order to, for them to say, aha, well, you know, this practice has, this additional, um, you know, benefits to me that why practice does not.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where's the biggest problem? And is it more in the initial recruitment to get them on board to show them that this package is when you look at all aspects of it is stronger long-term for you? Or is it once you get them on board, uh, retaining them by showing them you know, this is, the grass isn't always greener over on that side of it. Where do you see uh, the bigger challenge? Well,
1: the bigger challenge to me is, of course, the biggest challenge is, is getting somebody to talk, to sit down long enough and let you explain to them what they really need and what they yeah. have and what they want, because there's often, well, just on the retirement plan, for an example. Every retirement plan requires an adoption agreement, which is the legal document between the employer and the employee, spells out the terms of the plan, i.e., eligibility, vesting match, etc. So, when I'm initially talking to someone, and we have an ERISA attorney on our staff, and I'm not talking about a 1099 employee, I'm talking about a W 2 mm-hmm. on staff ERISA attorney who we use to review the adoption agreements. And number one, First off, they don't know where they are typically, and it's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. Then once they find them, and you start reviewing the way that plan was designed, that was you know three or four practice managers ago, and it hasn't been updated to meet the need, the you know changing needs of the organization. And it's it's they're complicated, extremely complicated. So what we're able to show show is if you structure your retirement plan this way you know, make it more attractive, you know, for your your employees and, you know, potentially and usually free up tax money too. So it, it, it's, it's all about educating the practice manager on how to properly design the retirement plan. Then on top of that, for, you know, oftentimes highly compensated employees are discriminated against in the respect that they're unable to really put the amount of money they would like to put away in these plans because of limitations that are government sanctioned. Mm -hmm. And then by layering other types of, again, retirement planning tools, knowing their number one concern is retirement planning. On top of that, that's where people aren't going the the, the extra step, not because they don't want to, not because they can't afford it. It's just that nobody's ever sat down and, and explained it, in such a way that said, if you add this, you can pay for itself by getting quality physicians, just to use physicians, I mean, employees mm-hmm. in general, but just, just pick one, physicians, in, and, and it'll pay for itself many times over. So it's all about the education of putting together a comprehensive benefit package, understanding it, and being able to communicate it or having someone who can communicate it for you when you're in the recruiting phase. This is why we're going back and work with these residency programs at hospitals.
0: Mm-hmm. The
1: initiative we're doing this year is, is catching them at the first year of residency and packaging together in conjunction with the hospital plans that, um, you know, a benefit type plans to, that increase as they're through their second year, third year residency, et cetera. So when they do spin out, now they've at least got some things in place to get them started that they can build on when they go to their next practice. So it's all, and I know I'm saying it over and over again, but it's all about
0: education. You have also mentioned that you had a case study or a first person account of implementing, uh, you know, programs for practices. Would you share that with us?
1: So we're going to have on with us um, a CEO of a large provider organization who's going to share his story, and this has been a few years back, where we implemented the strategies of having the supplemental, and we'll just, for lack of a better word, call supplemental benefits on top of the core benefits. Because what you'll see is everybody has the staples,
0: you know, the
1: retirement plan, the... Uh, health plan, the long-term LTD, short, uh, long, and in the in the life uh, group life and group disability type by implementing the strategies within you know the retirement plan, the deferred compensation, the first, see deferred compensation is big, and it's just getting legs. I mean, we've been talking about it for twenty years plus, but it's it's really gotten legs lately, and more and more people are starting to understand that to where. In without getting in the weeds again on that, you can have an arrangement with a physician, just again, stick with one profession to where if they work for X amount of years, usually five, um, then there's a let's call it pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. So you're trading longevity for additional benefits that works really nice. So, this CEO of this large provider organization is going to share his story of how he implemented the strategies we're going to talk about and how it helped him recruit and retain employees.
0: Okay. Well, Mark, you have touched on a lot of aspects about retirement and benefits here. What is a main takeaway then you'd like our listeners to know about how, frankly, how they can create a competitive advantage by being strategic about benefits to attract provider talent?
1: You know, there's a lot of great ideas out there and everybody's busy. So my main takeaway, whether if it's us or somebody else that you trust and are comfortable with is take the time to listen to the ideas that some people can, some thought leaders can bring you. But on a, and, and, and I do webinars for other organizations too. And I always say, if you've got, a group of let's say seven physicians and 45 employees by utilizing that strategy it frees up about 200,000 a year mm-hmm. 200k so it's just taking the time of letting people who do this have been doing it for a long time and have surrounded themselves with people who know and been doing this for a long time give them the hour of sit down that nobody wants to take and i get it you know this stuff's not it's not like watching the super bowl or a rock concert i mean it's it's you know it's uh can be a little uh, torturous but it's important so it's just taking the time to to let somebody share ideas with you is my
0: main takeaway
1: because the ideas are there it's just finding the time
0: yeah, yeah. well For a final question, I'd like to switch gears then. This has been a unique year. It's been a difficult year. So what have you been doing, whether it's a hobby, family involvement, anything that you've been doing to get through the days to have some type of work-life balance over these last 12 or so months?
1: Well, to be fair, I do live in the Deep South. And, you know, everything's been pretty much open and my community has been open. Schools have been open all year because I have grandchildren who live in this community and we spend a lot of time with our grandchildren and they've been, you know, in school all day. So, and we've taken trips, beach trips, et cetera. Nothing crazy, but, you know, beach trips. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I'm one of those people that like six to six, I call it six to six, I'm up at six, I know what group of partners are up at six, so I take care of all of them in the morning. I know the West Coast people I have to take care at night. And as boring as it sounds, I'm a workaholic, and I just, I don't know, I just love this stuff. So the only thing that's really changed for me is I can get more done with Zoom meetings than I can all the times, of all these years I've spent on the road, which is the only silver lining mm-hmm. in this past year. It's been devastating for our industry and our, our country. But it, it's, I've been able to take the time and accomplish more because I've learned that I don't have to get on an airplane to Denver, Colorado, <laughs> which we have a lot of business we do in Colorado, because I can do it on Zoom. And I always knew it. But everybody else thought, well, you need to be live. And live is better. I'm better live than I am on um, Zoom or podcast or whatever.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I guess the, the, the main takeaway for me is I can be more productive. Um, so that's that. But thanks for asking.
0: Sure. Well, Mark, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and for sharing all these thoughts on retirement and benefits today.
1: My pleasure.
0: Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Insights. Thanks to our guest, Mark Massey. You can hear more from Mark at MGMA's upcoming webinar, How to Increase Physician Recruitment and Retention. It will be held April 6th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. You can register for the free event at mgma.com events. And thanks to our partner, the Southern Medical Association, for sponsoring this week's show. You can learn more about the work they're doing with medical practices at sma.org. If you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. If you have topics you'd like us to cover or experts you'd like us to interview, email us at podcast at mgma.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at MGMA Daniel. MGMA Insights is presented by Declan McGee, Rob Ketchum, and I'm Daniel Williams. Stay safe and thanks for listening.